This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Who says no? Fellas, what's going on? How's it going, Rob? How you doing? Great. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, so let's start off. This is the, the Red Sox are mathematically scientifically 500 correct as we tape this um, because they have an off day and they cannot lose they cannot win so this is a perfect time to sort of have the airing of the grievances but before we do that i want everyone to scream the one word that we all know gets everyone excited about baseball sammy you first mcfarland all right there you go gordo mcfarland energy oh pat McFarland. I don't know where Coop went, but okay, I'll yell it. McFarland, 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 McFarland. Thank you so much for sponsoring this thing. And so we uh, we have a team, a nondescript team that has uh, a lot of storylines, which is hard to do, honestly, to have this sort of like this. What do you make of this team, sort of team? But there's a lot to yell about. There's a lot to get to. Um, who was who said they had uh, a, a good rant? Who who was it who had said that? Oh, Pat. All right, all right. Let's go. Let's go right no, out of the Sammy. game. No, no, Sammy. No, no. Sammy. Oh, Sammy. Oh, oh, you're pointing at Sammy. Sorry, I, yeah. I couldn't tell you. I mean, <laughs> you're so, pointing skyward. Okay, go ahead. The um the rant is not about the Red Sox. It's an Orioles rant. I have a bone to pick with the Orioles, but not really the Orioles. More so their fan base, and it's not because of what you reported, Rob, about how Richard Blyer said that if fan. I think spit on them. Yeah, Here's we'll we'll get to that me. a little bit later. Yeah. Here's what bothers me. I know the games were Monday through Wednesday, but if you're an Orioles fan, your team has been awful since 2016. Unmitigated disaster after disaster after disaster. And then last year you finished four games over 500 and everyone celebrates like we've done it. We've struck gold. And now this year there's finally some hype behind the Orioles and there was nobody in the seats. And again, I know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, especially the Wednesday game, give them a pass for that. What's going on Orioles fans. I thought that was a sports town. I thought Baltimore was diehard. That was, I, I cannot believe that if the Red Sox were bad for that long and then they were finally good, it would be impossible to get into the building impossible. So I was just kind of, you know, disappointed in Orioles fans. Again, aside from the Richard Blyer thing, which we'll talk about later, but Come on, Baltimore. I thought that it would be packed. Rivalry game, you could even stretch it to. But disappointed in Orioles fans. This, really- this time it counts. You know, before you guys go on, I, I was sort of baffled myself because I showed up a day early. And so I showed up on Sunday. And the rare sort of day where I don't really have a lot of responsibilities, I really, all, all I wanted to do was go down to the clubhouse and set up a podcast for the next day. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, gr- good. I get my Corona premiere. I eat the Boogs barbecue out in Utah Street, and I find one of a million empty seats because I thought that's how it was. And that day on Sunday with Detroit in town, 37,000 people. And so I'm like, whoa, look, the Orioles are back. And then the Red Sox are coming in. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good crowd. The Red Sox always bring a lot of people. But, Sammy, to your point, it was it was sad trombone, like, all the time, 10, 11,000 people. Um yeah, it's and I think it's just a combination of of crappy weather or like coldish weather. Um, the 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 fans getting their teeth kicked in for ten years or whatever it's been, and also this is I don't know how much this factors into it. Baltimore's better never been in a worse situation in terms of around that park. It is really really like dicey and depressing. 
Um, certainly not how it used to be when they were packing the place. I don't know if that factors in at all. Some people have said it does. Some people said it doesn't. Anyway, but go ahead. It was a good rant. Well done. I, just, I, I thought that was a big-time sports town. Maybe it is, and maybe I'm being too hard on them, but I just can't imagine that happening at Fenway. Not that, you know, not to compare the two cities. I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff about Baltimore, and I know some Orioles fans, and they're all awesome people. I was just kind of surprised. Like, you would think that with all those young, exciting players – Henderson, Adley can go on and on. It just didn't seem like anyone was there and kind of depressing because baseball isn't boring. So they should be there. It wasn't, it was, there was, I went, there, I went the last game was, wasn't really that great, but anyway, all right. You guys got a good, you guys got a good rants, Pat Gordo. What do you got? Before got we get to the, the, what is, what talking, to the talking point. They win, they win, and they lose. They alternate days. They're never not five hundred. <laughs> what, what do you? Think? They're the epitome of a five hundred team. Yay, yay for five hundred. Yes, two thousand twenty three Red Sox. We're okay. Um, and they're better than they were at this point last year. So I guess we'll. Oh uh, well, they, that. They, there you go. They, I mean, it's there's there's a plethora of teams hovering around five hundred. It's not really that they're five hundred. It's sort of that they're sitting there and you don't really know what they are. So uh, that's which is fine because it adds some spiciness to it, but that's okay. Pat, you got a good rant? Yeah, I do. I got a bone to pick with everybody who told me that Masataka Yoshida was a bust. Go off, go off. <laughs> all over Twitter, all I've been seeing rel- uh, previous to the last seven games is always 180, bust, bust, can't play the field, can't hit. Well, now he's figured out the high fastball, and he mashes the breaking pitches. On top of that, I was told he plays subpar defense. I haven't seen a lick of subpar defense yet. He looks every bit worth of $90 million. So, yeah, I want written apologies from every person who tweeted that Masataka Yoshida was a bust. Hmm. In, in fairness, it's only because you bought the inflatable dumbbells, and now you, you, you did not want to discard them so early, right? Correct? Wait, do you have them? Yes. Do you have the no. dumbbells? Where did you? <laughs> no. Oh, well, I, 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 no. I, no joke. I tried to get them at the team store. The guy looked at me like I was crazy. He had no idea what he was talking about. They're coming. So, Don't worry about it. Don't yeah, worry about I need it. it. I'm glad he's been using them after homers. Get, get, Got to get them out there for Sox fans. Like, I, I wanted that opening day. But we can't always get All right, cool. Cool. What do you got? Yell McFarlane. You weren't here. McFarlane. There you go. What do you got? You got a good rant? I got a good rant. Um, is like Red Sox topical or like I can go spout off about the red line. That's been, that's been my bugaboo. <laughs> okay. Uh, red, red Sox. If the Orioles slash Red Sox slash Yoshida slash inflatable dumbbells. I, I don't know if I can rant about anything like, yeah, I would like Chris sale to be pitching better, but I don't know. Like <laughs> what, what can I do about that? What can I boom? We've just got like we're stuck with this rotation now. That's my gripe, I guess. It's kind of like, all right, let's see what we can do with this. Maybe, maybe Bayo will come back. Maybe he'll, you know, come back looking a little bit better after two starts down at Worcester. I think Heim had said that he'll be back within two weeks. Um, so I don't know. Time I, management I think manipulation should, going on. I, just I trying to get should, guys I reps. Should put up I, a- I can't be upset. I think we should put up a poll. Which is a better um, theme for this uh, season slash team? Is it Red Sox colon maybe? Or is it Red Sox colon, I don't know, <laughs> dot, I don't dot, think dot. either. I think it's just like Red Sox colon, see you next year. Mid-Sox. Ooh. We talked about oh. this last Yeah, uh, Mid-Sox. We coined the term Mid-Sox because they're very mm. middle and they're the Sox. Mid-Sox. I get that. I get that. All right. All right. Um, all right, so my thing is is just sort of along the lines of what you guys have been saying. It's you don't really it's bizarre that we came out of spring training saying we don't know what to make of this team. And now we're heading into May and we're saying we don't know what to make of this team. It's not terrible, it's not it's not great, but at the end of the day, my thing is you have to show that you can beat the good teams. Like and uh, yeah, sure, you know, they beat Milwaukee, they won that series, that's fine. But I'm talking about the American League East teams. And even though you don't play them as many times as you did before, you have to show that you can beat the Orioles in a series. You have to show – you have Toronto coming up. And I'll go back to it, you guys. You know, Gordon Coop, we talked about this on the radio. That Toronto series, that our take stands firm in terms of 
that could be a defining series. That is the piss on your territory series right there. And not only because of the Manoa Verdugo thing, but because Toronto's really good. And if you want to say we can beat the good teams, there you go. And that's right around the corner. Anyone disagree? It's quite literally what Joe Madden talked to us about last year. Like, you just need that little spark plug to get things It's the Coco-Chris-James Shields game, right? But in all honesty, do you think this team is going to the playoffs? And is that even the best thing for the organization right now? Like, of course you want to see them in the playoffs, and of course you want to see them be competitive. But that means that they're going to have to do something at the deadline that's going to maybe alter what's going no, you, on here. They, they, they already have the best trade deadline acquisition you could ever find, which is like, this is right. What, what am I going to say, fellas? Oh, Trevor gonna, story. We got a Trevor story. story. The old, Trevor like, story and Adam the, the, they're coming. The, in, the injured <laughs> guy, the injured guy coming off the injured list. Uh, we couldn't ask for a better trade deadline acquisition. So Signing a five-star athlete in this economy. What? <laughs> We needed a right-handed bat, and we're getting one of the best right-handed bats in baseball. And Adam I, Duvall, who has like a 1,500 OPS. <laughs> He'll come back just as late was, I'm sure. See? And look it. But this is – it comes back to you just don't know. Like, this is the maddening thing. Even, even the guys that you want to crap on – like, I've heard – it's funny because when people talked after that Chris Sale start, about especially on our station and they're like it was like oh like chris hale sent him the bullpen so forth and so on well okay number one they totally forgot that the guy just was coming off like an awesome start like this was not counted in at all all right and i'm not saying that he that that should define him but i'm also not saying that it didn't exist and people don't i mean the orioles thing you can also put that in the category of maybe because they've roughed him up not two times, three times. The only bad spring training outing he had. I don't know if Chris Sale's going to be any good, but let's be a little – it comes back to the – we don't know what's going on, and Chris Sale falls in that category. Am I wrong? No, I, I, I no. think it's crazy that people are willing to give up on a seven-time All-Star, a guy who started three All-Star games consecutively because he got hurt and he's a little rusty coming back. I know he's been bad, very, very bad, but like – how could you give up on the guy? And also, you put him in the bullpen. What does that do? It does nothing. That's a little drip. It's not happening. That just yeah, makes the like roster construction even worse because then you have to start practice. moving other people around. But yeah, I heard it just it muddies it. I heard this. You know, I was listening to an unnamed show the other day. Was it yesterday? It may have been the show after your show, Coop. Which okay, was, yeah, they're they're always positive. There was literally like they literally did not like acknowledge that the start before existed. Mm-hmm. Hold up, like you mean the person from Baltimore and the guy that just always rips on Boston sports didn't know. <laughs> well, not to, I mean, I'm not naming names. Yeah, I didn't mean to put pronouns to that. I apologize. When we're when we're painting the picture, let's let's paint the entire picture. And so uh, so my point is with Sale. It falls under almost everybody here. Like the only the only people that you feel if you if let's do the power rankings of who we feel good about that, that okay, you've defined yourself. I think Kenley Jansen has defined himself. I'll make a case for Winkowski, you know, it's it's not the be all end all middle reliever, but he's defined himself. Uh and the guy named Raphael Devers probably defined himself. Who else am I missing? I'm missing some other than that. For, for yeah, I'll give, I I I think Verdugo is going to make the All Star team. There, I said it. He's been the brightest too. point of the season. Does everyone does everyone think that it, Verdugo is going to make? Does anyone else think Verdugo is make the All Star team? I would raise your hand. Yeah, he's probably. Make it, I mean, yeah. un- unless another outfielder just decides to tear it up, then yeah, yeah, no choice. I mean, like you're competing with Trout and with Judge for an outfield spot in the All Star game. So that's no. Nah, well, part. you got you got some other guys who are playing really really well. Are you going to say What's a starter standard? or just on the team? No, just What's on the team. Standard? Okay, I'll take that then. I like, want to see we, him be a can starter. We throw, can we throw Cutter Crawford into this? I think he cemented himself as a guy, even though he got oh. sent down once. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm all aboard the Cutter okay. Crawford train. You may. His savant page is no. bright red. Reese McGuire is hitting though. like 600 right now. That's true, and he hit like 600 last year in the last two months, so maybe he's a 600 hitter. 
Yeah. Who knows? Connor Wong's Connor Wong defensively. Ted Williams could never. Yeah. Ted Williams. All right. So how about how about uh, how about our guy? Okay, we we've identified the people who we feel good about. And and the rest of the team, you're sort of like, what is going on? What, how can we define them? How about I'm I'm anxious to get your guys' take on young Tristan Casas. Okay, oh. N- nobody nobody really is talking about him a whole lot. Um, weirdly, because right? what? Isn't it weird that that people aren't talking about it? Like everyone well, I think to jump on everybody, and I'm glad they're I'm glad they're not putting a ton of heat and pressure on him because like he he needs time, but. Isn't it well, weird I think, that we're not I, I think that it's because it? I think it's sort of because of the the same thing we talked about with all these other guys. Sales bad. He has a really good start. He's bad. Uh, Whitlock. He's bad. He's good. He's bad. You know. And I go like Casas. He's bad. Oh, wait a second. Just when you send him to Worcester, he hits a home run. So I'm a, I'm I'm gonna. I think I'm it's actually gonna get your guys' take on what where you see with him. Go ahead, I, Pat. What do you got? You've been quiet. I think that people don't. Like I don't think people talk bad about Casas because it's not polarizing. Like people want to pick on the guy who's making all the money. People want to pick on the guy who's supposed to be ahead of this team. Casas is a rookie guy on a rookie contract. It's not very big man of you to pick on a rookie where Sale has a target on his back. It's easy to pick on him. And guys like Paxton, who has yet to pitch in the major leagues as a member of the Red Sox, he's an easy one to target. I think, I think Casas will figure it out. I think the plate discipline is as advertised. I think he's incredible in the box. And I think pitch recognition and catching up to major league pitching will come. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy that people aren't like on his back about hitting 140 or whatever he's hitting. But I think it does. he does figure it out second half of the season. But the eye is as advertised. The guy works counts. There yeah. you go. Best eye in the majors. I'm Can I piggyback that. off that? Cook. Anyone else? I mean, this, again, this is getting the same reaction we yeah, talked so, about. Like, no, I, I, yeah. Oh, are we, we, Coop, Coop, you go. Coop, go ahead. Okay, it. so I just want to piggyback off of what Pat said there about like the pitch recognition and just trying to see more big league pitching. And as Rob, you might be able to talk more about this, but the yelling at out pitches as he sees them coming in. Oh yeah, I do. Can you I elaborate that. on that a little bit more? Because yeah, I've actually that we have that. Was um, bashing. I, uh, Pat, I, I, like to hear I, you know what? I'll, I'll send you the audio of it, and I sat down with him, and he loved talking about it, which he loves talking. I literally went up to him. I said, I gotta, I want to talk to you guys. Good, because I like talking. Okay, let's talk about this. And so what he does, have you guys noticed this? Because I noticed it when I first noticed it. I think it was in Tampa, and he was arguing with the umpire after a ball was called on him. I'm like, why is he doing that? Like, what's what's? Have you guys noticed this? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the first time I noticed him being like, animated was that for what was it 14 pitch walk, walk that he had oh that was and awesome it, like that's when you can tell like a player is like a little like kooky at the plate like, was, never is like talking awesome. himself like that bat flips bat flips that screams was, a walk i mean yeah how, people were complaining about that how could you complain about that was so funny nah. like we needed that's that. good baseball right there like yeah i don't know that's just fundamentals but <laughs> that was like kind of the first time that i noticed that like he does some stuff at the plate where you have to pay attention to him but I haven't really like noticed him barking out like the pitches. So that was yeah, kind of so, like you bringing that up was the first time that I had really like. Yeah. So he, why, why did he argue the ball? No. So, so I guess you guys haven't, so it's hard to notice because if you can't hear him, he, what he does is he, as the pitch is coming in, he yells out where the pitch is. So in other words, the ball's coming in, he yells high, right? The balls are coming in. He yells low, yells outside. And so the umpire is getting pissed. The umpires are getting pissed. And so he this was becoming a problem. So now, Kristen Casas, when he goes to the plate to begin the game, he goes up to the umpires and said, I want to give you the heads up. I yell out the pitches. <laughs> I love this comments. guy. I need Why a mic up for like that. <laughs> he he like, said, hey, Angel, how's it going? Um, just so you know, I'm going to be yelling stuff. Just so you know, not yeah. at you, but it, I'm going to be yelling. Yeah. So you can see where the umpires might get a little like, like, what are you doing? What do you? Because he's saying oh, I hate that, that he's trying to articulate to them that I'm not saying this is a should be a strike or a ball. All I'm saying is where the pitch is. It helps me like, car. He helps me verbalize. It helps me in my head 
figure out where that pitch is going to land, and I can't help it. I just as he said this, I didn't. He said it's like Tourette's, you know. So, <laughs> so I mean, yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, it's it's I and and it it just keeps on coming with, and this is why I so desperately want him to be good. Yeah, so desperately. Right, don't you guys? So yeah. that's that's the thing that makes me optimistic about him. And I, you know, we bring up like the fact of like, you know, everyone's getting on Chris Sale, everyone's getting on Yoshida, everyone's getting on all these different guys, and why aren't they really getting on Cassis? And I think like the root of it is that people that are actually fans of the team and actually pay attention to the team, they recognize that he's doing everything he can to be a good major league ball player, and they also understand that like development happens, especially early on in your career. Uh, but like the people that maybe don't get it, they're also not like, he's not a huge tax burden on this team. Like he's not taking up a major part of that payroll. So it's not like he's too frustrating of like, why are we paying this guy? Why are we giving him so much time? Add to the fact we just went through what three, four first basemen in the organization over the last couple of years who really haven't lived up to being a everyday first baseman. So it's just kind of like, all right, we'll wait and see what we can do here because we have no other option right now. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Pat, have you ever been? Have you ever been to like a youth umpire? You seem like you know. Have you ever been a youth umpire? I have. You seem been. like an umpire. You seem like a narc. <laughs> you seem like an umpire. Yeah, you seem like a real narc. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> no, you, you, I said your traps have never looked. Your traps have never looked better. Um, so, could you imagine that? Could you imagine little Jimmy? Ball, hi. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, Mister Mister Brown. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't. I was, I was just like, I was just visualizing where the pitch was. I had to tell myself. I'm not I'd, telling I'd, you you suck. I would run him. I would run him. Little eight-year-old Jimmy. I'm pointing him right in the eyes, and I'm tossing him out of the gate. Get There's out no of here. way. There's I'm nobody bigger than ball. Can we yeah. put the, take that out of context and just like <laughs> I'm running little Jimmy? Fat <laughs> oh, colon. I'm running little Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right out of the game. You made a good point. But you guys, have you guys, you guys have um, do you you can you can appreciate this, Gordo. You know, I, I played baseball my whole life. I actually never umped. Never Umping did it. Sucks. It's the worst. Oh, yeah, it sucks. I got the amount of dads who think that they're like Terry Francona is insane. Oh, <laughs> did you guys see that town in New Jersey I where did. if you argue with the umpire, you then have to? What is it? You have to umpire. You have to ump three games before you're allowed back as a spectator. <laughs> I love That's that. awesome. That's great. I love that. It's a great. I, uh, yeah. No, I would. I would be. Uh, I would be an ump, but. Uh, I'm not a narc. I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I don't snitch. Do you, you know what's going to happen, though? Strike. You know what was going to happen here, Your which is kids now, I mean, even high school kids, this is going to come out, and you're going to have these kids, you're going to have some kids do this because oh. they're like, oh, well, look, the big leaguers do it. A big leaguer does it. He yells the pitches that they come. I'm telling you, they're going to do it. It's That's what happens. Like we all imitate everybody. Up. No, I agree with I, you. I just batting gloves like, and taking up a game. Like, it's just going to be people yelling out stuff. 
Do you guys remember when Manny would he would like feel the base hit and then he would throw it in like underneath? Like you'd throw it in like sidearm kind of underneath. I started like I was a kid and I just started throwing the ball like that. And like my dad and my coaches kept telling me, like, you're gonna hurt your arm. I was like, Manny does it. I when I was younger, I used to pitch and every time I would get a strikeout, I would do the Derek Lowe this thing. And my coach (laughs) pulled me aside. He pulled me aside and was like, Hey Sam don't do that every, every time you do something like remotely good, like you save that for like the big moments or just don't do it. <laughs> so you got to well, act like you've been there before. I remember you, guys, you growing, mentioned the goal. Go ahead. Growing up, I was a fat lefty, much like CC Sabathia. Much so like- much like CC when he played for the, I think it was the Brewers maybe. So whenever I pitched, I would do the stupid little like half side tilt like CC. And I would let up eight earned runs, but I looked like CC, so it was fine. I feel like that's a Johnny. Is that Johnny Cueto? Cueto that makes used to baseball dad. Right? Fernando Cueto Rodney was the Rodney, king. yeah, with the that Fernando hat, Rodney. Nothing, yeah. nothing makes baseball dads angrier than a sideways hat. They're like, "Are you kidding me? You got no respect for the game. Put your hat on forwards and curve it, or get out of here." Yeah, I looked. I literally. The best part though was I would be playing first base like this. And like, all right, Pat, you're coming in. And I looked like a tool bag. I'm just like, all right, let's go. And just go. Just you're, go. you're like Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. You change the hat. You would change it when you'd come in to pitch. Yeah, I would have it normal. And I'd be like, all right, CC time. And just tilt it a little bit. Pat, Pat you're, you're, like, you're like Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. When he goes into a battle, he would go like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh I'm telling God. you. This everybody does this. Like, and, and, as this this guy was playing before you guys were born, well before you were born. But a guy named look up, go, do a Google of Phil Plantier of his batting stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. No, I mean Google. Like, so for Where an entire summer, or... I tried to hit like Phil Plantier, and that's potentially why I'm not playing in the big leagues and have bad knees. God. Yeah, yeah. Give, give this exactly. A Exactly. I mean, but everybody does this. Everybody's going to be calling out the pitches. Not everybody, but some kids are going to be calling out the pitches because Tristan Casas thinks it's a good idea. Yes. Not necessarily like a bad a thing. There's going to be a Jeff lot of Bagwell. New England baseball players that just incredible pitch recognition and hand-eye coordination because of that. So we need Cassis some like helping the youths. If you if you want to be if you want to be a good baseball player as a kid. Just imitate Yoshida. Just get the bat on the ball every single time. Don't make an error. They always do. I can't get over Pat turning his hat around like a Pokemon (laughs) trainer when he's pitching. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of Casas, well, you know, if you want evidence, and I know this has been surfaced a bunch of times, but and I told him this. I said the story of Dustin. Gather around for the story of Dustin Bedroy in 2007. You guys know the story, right? I mean, under 200, I think it was on, like, May 5th. Under 200, has an off day, works on his works on his uh, swing uh, with Dave Magan in the off day, has to face one of the best pitchers in baseball the next day, Johan Santana, gets two hits, yada, 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 rookie of the year. So, Tristan Casas, there's your, there's your path. Congratulations. I think now that we've talked about it a little bit, I feel like maybe part of the reason people aren't being hard on him is that they think that if they are, they're going to be wrong and they're going to get pantsed. Because like with these with these kids, and we saw it with Yoshida too. Like it's only a matter of time. Like these guys just there's just a, a day comes, and these guys who look the part, like Casas does, just figure it out. And at some point, it's going to come. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm I'm confident. He just he looks good. He looks good in the box. Coop said this a few minutes ago. Or he alluded to it. What better time is there to let him figure it out? We're probably not winning the World Series this year. Let the guy figure it out. He's the best hitting prospect that they have. Let him let him cook. He'll get there. He did this in AAA last year, too. He started off really That's slow. True. We brought him up to the Woo Sox, and everyone was like, oh, he's a bust because he wasn't good for a month. God forbid, give the guy some time to adjust. He'll be fine. I'm not, I'm not concerned about Casas. It would take a lot to make me concerned about Casas, like up till the all-star break, something crazy like that. All right. It would take a lot to be like time to send him to Worcester. Like it would take what, like a good amount of time after the all-star break before. Yeah. Oh, really? I was going to say half a season. If he, if he's halfway through and still is not even close, then you talk about it, but you're going even further than that. 
I mean, right. Justin Turner fills his role there. I mean, oh, at first, well, you'd no. probably call Bobby up in that case. See? So maybe it's a trade deadline acquisition. Well, I don't yeah, know. But that, that's Justin, not going to happen. It's like, not that's... a bad thought. Like, to, you know, like go, go back to the Pedroia thing. Alex Cora was the guy who filled in, basically let Pedroia find his way. The core hit like 400 in April. And then, you know, so they could pick their spots with Pedroia. You could do that with Turner at first. Sure. The problem is you're getting really, really thin everywhere else because guys have injuries. Um, I do want to ask a question I think I texted you guys about, and you don't have to have a good answer, but it's just off the top of my head. Assuming that we're in this sort of weird – no, assuming that they're actually decent enough that you can maybe acquire some of the trade deadline. Or maybe not. Maybe take the other pro- approach. I don't know. What for, – for you right now, right now, trade deadline's tomorrow, what do you do? What what is there a position? Is there a player? Is there anything, or do you just like let's ride it out? I I'll go first. Go ahead. Go ahead. Goro. I'll take it. I'll take it. They're a top five offense and a bottom five starting rotation. I think if if you want to make a run at the postseason and you're done experimenting, you you've figured out which guys are going to be starters the rest of the way. I think you need a stabilizing starting pitcher to get you the rest of the way. And it can be a rental. If you're, if you're just going for make the playoffs this year and just see what can happen, just get a rental. And there, and there's a few guys, uh, not, not, there's not a lot of teams where you can surely say they're going to be out, but I look at the Chicago white Sox. They've got a couple of good starters on expirings. They could be a partner. And then, uh, another guy I like is Jack Flaherty in St. Louis. And they would never do it because he walks too many guys, but I love the kids stuff. And he's expiring, and I feel like his personality works for this town. Mm-hmm. I feel like he'd be good. I you gotta you gotta give up somebody, but that's the problem, right? Is they're that, expiring. No, I understand, but you're still gonna have to give up, you know, somebody. And yeah. and by the way, did you guys see Jay Groom's ERA? No, oh, God, no. He hasn't been w- up, worse right? than AAA. Oh, all right, really? Oh, oh God! Wow. Yeah, that's over over nine. I don't want to see a guy like that fail. He was. Re- I remember how happy that guy was when he was drafted. I I'm rooting for him. I know Red Sox fans like, oh, get out of here. You're not on the team. But I hope hope he bounces back. I like I like that imitation, of Red Sox fans. By the way, excellent job. Yeah, you look uh, the, the average Sox fan imitation. Um, so so go ahead, Sammy. Go ahead, Gordo. I actually rarely do this, but I don't agree. I do not believe in this team as much as a lot of people like i think just maybe, they can, maybe they can make the playoffs currently they have the second worst uh rotation era behind obviously the oakland a's which is extremely not impressive i don't want any expiring deal trades i don't want to make any trades that won't help them in 2024 of course there's the caveat if it's an amazing amazing offer that you can't say no to fine but I doubt that happens. It seems like the trade deadline is much tougher with the expanded playoffs because so many people are still contending or believe they can contend. So I'm not looking for them to do anything unless it's with an eye towards the future. I don't want rentals. I just don't think it makes sense. I think it's a little uh, – it would be short-sighted for them to give up anything significant for a rental. Um, and I don't think you get a rental that moves the needle unless you give up something decent at the very least. And even then, I'd be hesitant. So – I kind of want them to uh, stand pat if they have a crowded outfield. Like it looks like they might maybe sell off one of those guys for a future asset. But uh, I'm I'm not I'm not looking at this team as like a we gotta supplement them and uh, make a run at the playoffs. I think that the story and Duvall coming back as much as we all hate to hear it, I think that's good enough. And I would just leave it at that and go from there. I think it just it depends on where you're at because remember they they there's these rare circumstances like Kyle Schwarber was hurt. And you were able to give up a nothing prospect there. I think that's the type of scenario. Like if the Sox are kind of where they're at, you know, they're teeter tottering the like the last wild card spot, and it's like, you're right, Sammy. They shouldn't make a trade for a guy. I okay, no, I'll partially agree with you. They shouldn't trade for a guy who has like a year and a half left because that's essentially like if you don't make the playoffs this year, that's a rental for next year. Mm-hmm. I think you either go for a rental because you're not going to need to give up as much for a rental or you go for a long-term piece. And I'll, I'll beat the drum all the time and say a Marlin starting pitcher, but I, I would say like go for either a rental or like a long-term building block kind of piece. Good, good like example. Not like a year and a half guy. Good example would be like Kyle Schwarber. Like you cannot turn that deal down. They gave up nothing right. for Kyle Schwarber. If you can get a deal like that, great, do it. 
but those are so hard to come by. And I know I'm kind of like riding the fence right now and nobody wants to hear that and I'm kind of giving a safe answer, but I just don't want to mortgage the future for this team. I think they're, you they're fun. They're watchable. I'm happy with that. I'm just, I, I don't think it's a team that you mortgage the future for, like I said. So is, that's is there at. a difference if they're wild card one or wild card two for you? Or is it just kind of like wild card spot does not matter. We're not gonna like throw caution to the wind. No, of course. If they if they catch on fire and it's unbelievable and you really think they have a chance, go for it. I just don't see that happening. Like if it's 2013, you can go get Jake Peavy. Stuff there like you that. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think... Yeah, what do you got? We got a... a, I, like a I'm yeah. kind of in the middle. I think if... It all depends <laughs> on where you are. If you're within, I would say, five to six games of a wild card spot come the deadline, I think you add on the margins without giving up anything. Like one name that came to mind is like Brad Hand. Left your reliever. He's on a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Flyer hasn't looked great. Joely hasn't been up yet. They're really thin at left your reliever. And you give up for half a season and 750000 on a contract. You don't give up a top 30 guy for that. But it is a position where an upgrade doesn't hurt. And if you don't make the playoffs, seven hundred fifty in the grand scheme of things is not going to kill you. But Pat, I think no, we also got to remember not, you're not on the Brennan Bernardino train. Oh, I am. Oh, I am. Really right. I had some good. good. I had some great eastbound and down talk with him the other day. Of course, of course. <laughs> it was. It was. Kenny Powers fan. Well, no, he. So a year ago, he was pitching in Tijuana. So how can you not ask him about some good Mexican league stories, right? So it's enough. I, there's still some. It was sort of the preemptive strike of the the Mexican league stories. But he did tell me that the told me about the barbed wire or the chicken wire that separates the good seats and bad seats, which absolutely should be in the next CBA. I love that. You want to keep. You have to get more chick, of, uh, more chicken wire million. at the park. What if we like when they play the Yankees? They have like a chicken wire like section, and the Yankees fans can sit in like the protected sections. Perfect. So that Perfect. Perfect. So there. So there. That's just me. And he also he has the whitest teeth, other than Yoshida. Uh, Coop, you, what? What are your? What's your thoughts? I'm kind of in the camp of Sammy here, sadly. And it's not sadly. It's more of just kind of like I don't want to sacrifice anything further for a season that's it. It's lost. If it works out, if we're in wild card one, wild card two slot. I, fat chance that we're winning the AL East. Uh, so if they're in those two spots, one of those two, that's awesome. That's dandy. I don't think I want to sacrifice anyone for that. Um, and especially to the fact that like right now, the time has been positioning for, I don't know, a competitive run a year or two years from now. So why derail that? I mean, after everything that we've gone through in this past season, why start to buy when you have a glimmer of chance? I, I would have, in my my seat, I would have rather made this run with guys like Xander. Who knows about JD? But there's guys that you could have signed that would have made sense and would have made you competitive. But if you didn't do it in the offseason, what makes sense doing it in the middle of a season that you weren't really committed to? Uh, so with that being said, if we do get to that point, I don't know, Logan Gilbert would be fun because then you can still try and keep him around next year. No shot. No shot. Yeah. But, yeah, hey, he's got a, his, his ERA is a tick up this year. So maybe we can use that to swindle something. Yeah. Hey, you're, can I make you're a counterpoint to you guys? It'll be Ooh. much easier here in Boston. It's counterpoint Friday. Go ahead. I, w- I want to make a counterpoint because you guys keep saying you don't want to sacrifice anything. But we're going to have the same issue next year as we did this year with a 40-man crunch. And then all of a sudden, you get the first pick in the Rule 5 draft, that war going to the Nationals. Like, you can't keep all of these guys, especially as they become Rule 5 eligible. So it makes sense. If this is a competitive team, if they're sitting in one of the wild card spots, like, you look ahead. Who are the 40 guys going to be going into the offseason that are going to be on your roster? And who's not going to make the cut? You, like, there's going to be guys who are maybe top 20, top 25 guys who just may not make it. Like, there are guys who didn't get picked this year who are Rule 5 eligible who might get picked next year. And, like, those are the guys you should be looking to deal. And those are those are the guys you're okay dealing for rentals, you know, if you think they're going to get picked in the Rule 5. But mm-hmm. is that a major move? Because 
you're really just doing house cleaning. So I would feel like those are moves that, you know, if you're in that wild card two or if you're a slot below that wild card two, you know, come first week of August, is that a, like, are you actually making moves with housekeeping that set you up to make a deep playoff push? Well, some of these guys aren't housekeeping. Like Thad Ward, not like, he's not like a huge prospect or anything, but like he, he has value. Like a guy like Wickleman Gonzalez was rule five eligible, didn't get picked this year, but you're going to have to go through that same process next year. Like guys like these have value and it's not like, it's not necessarily housekeeping. If you, if you aggregate a couple of them together, like that gets you a solid rental player, like a couple of top 20 guys, like that, that gets you something. Yeah. I mean, so that's like why, I, then that's why I lean towards expirings. If, if you're giving up guys that aren't part of your future, that's fine. All my overall umbrella yes. statement is I don't want anything done that does not have an eye towards 2024. I need to be, I want to feel a lot better going into the season next year than this year. I've already accepted this is not a World Series team. I like this team. They're fun, especially Yoshida, but they're not a World <laughs> Series team. So let's plan for next year. And, and that includes what you just said, Gordo. The guys who are going to be on the 40 man, keep them around. And the guys who aren't, you know, flip them, maybe get something for them. Or, you know, you can also wait till the offseason. So they have options, which is great. But I'm just not, I'm not comfortable doing anything that isn't with an eye towards the future. I have two things. Number one, I think that you have to be really careful about how you, how you value the guys that you're talking about, right? That's one thing. You know, we're, we're just saying Sedan Raffaella, he's going to be good. He's part of the future. This guy's going to be part of the future. That guy's going to be – Brian Mata's going to be part of the future. Well, you know, I talked to a scout yesterday. He's like, you got to be careful, man. He's like, Mata's a bullpen guy. And this is one scout's take. I'm not saying that Mata – but we we just assume that these guys are going to be good. And so you got to be really, really good at identifying which guy – and I'll say it again. I thought Dave Dombrowski was really good at this, identifying which guy – is going to be good. Um, what's his name? Who's uh, got the head streak for Houston now? Who am I thinking of? Dubon. Dubon. Du- right, Dubon. I don't want to hear about Mauricio Dubon, like how Dave Dubros- Dave Dombrowski devalued him and didn't like value it. What he- I don't want to. You know how long it's been since that trade? Like, come on. Like the guy. Trade? It was. Uh, was it was the Kimber trade, right? Yeah, was, Kim- yeah. He was in Thornburg. Oh, it was Travis oh, Shaw. Thornburg trade. Right. The Thornburg trade. So he switched organization. It happened. Same thing with, Mar- with Manuel Margot. Fine. He's like his third team since then, though. Yeah. Right. So, okay. You know, it, you know, Santiago Espinal, fine. He's, he's, he made the major leagues. Great. You know, but, but you really have to nail this. And the other part, the other thing I wanted to say was, is that I think that they're going to be even more careful than 2021. If certainly more careful than last year, because I think they were stung by their approach last year. That they're like at the end of the day, they were like, and they can talk all they want about Emmanuel Valdez and whatever. Nice catch. I mean, it was like they could talk all about that, but at the but still, they they were like, we did, we should have gone the other way. Right now, they're saying that we can't just play it both sides of the fence like they tried to do last year. As the great Matt Strom said. You know, they played for field position, got pinned, pinned them inside the 10, and then the other team brought in Tim, Tom Brady. Can't do that. You can't You can't play both sides, and they know that. So I think if they're sitting where they are right now, they say, nope, no thanks. Either we're going to do the, hey, Trevor Story's awesome, he's coming back, or they get aggressively go the other way and say, hey, we're Hey, we're going to trade away some guys that are helping us for prospects. I think that they're going to go the other way right now con- compared to what they did last year, even with Vasquez. Hey, Rob, can I ask Can I ask the group a question? I have a um, pretty strong opinion on this. In Heimblum's tenure with the Red Sox, I think last year's trade deadline was the number one biggest mistake he's made so far. And he hasn't been perfect. He's done some good, some bad. Last year, I think was that trade deadline was F minus. That was awful. For the moves he made or the moves he didn't make? Both. But actually, the moves he made are fine. It's the moves he didn't make. Like, didn't go under the luxury tax, didn't offload these guys on expiring deals. It was just really confusing. That being said, is he under an immense amount of pressure at this upcoming trade deadline in a few months? Or am I way overthinking it? Because it feels like Bloom is under a lot of pressure coming up. 
I, I don't think that that's how he's ever going to operate. I just don't. I mean, I just don't think that there's going to be like this case of, well, I have to change my philosophy, which is a clear philosophy. It's the 180 degree from the Dombrowski philosophy. I'm going to get the five. I've said this a million times, but yeah. I'm going to get the five guys instead of the ones in, you know, reverse. But, but that's, that's fine, though. But what was last year? That's what I'm saying. What was. But yeah, this is what they did. And what they'll say they did is. They didn't get what they were asking for, for Bogarts, for Martinez, for even Rich Hill, right? They didn't get what they were asking for. Like, from what I understand, they were asking for a lot. And they didn't get it, so they held on to them. And they were okay in doing that because we say, oh, we're going to we're gonna ask for a lot, but if we don't do these trades, we're going to go for it because we get Eric Hosmer. Look at it. We're going for it. Yeah. So you, they just aren't going to do that again because they were stung so bad about playing that middle ground. But at the same anyway. time, isn't isn't the lug we, we've realized at this point that being under the luxury tax is important. Why did they not give up JD or Evaldi for anything? Like just I just told you. I just told you because they because they were playing both because they said we're gonna ask for a lot, and if we don't get it, we'll spin it as we're going for it. Oh. Because they were in the, because every go back to this that time, Sammy. People and you guys tell me, people wanted them to go for it. People weren't saying trade these guys. Oh, yeah. They wanted them to go for it. Yeah, no, I agree. You're you're right. You're right. I I I wasn't. I was like screaming, like, get these guys off the roster. We're not doing anything this year. Get ready for next year. But yeah, no, I I I believe you. I just think that if that's how they thought, oh God, you could. I, how could you look at that team last year and think they had a prayer? Tommy Pham and Eric Hosmer. <laughs> when you say that they were stung so badly, are you talking about? like the PR nightmare that followed, or are you talking about the fact that they didn't? No, I think the, the, the fact that I think their, I think their inclination is to build for the future all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like, if we're sitting in the, if we're sitting on the fence, they're falling on that side of the fence almost all the time where Dabrowski is falling on the other side of the fence. So their inclination was probably to say, Hey, you know what? We're, we're, we should build for the future, but, but, but you can't discount the opportunity and the business side of things and the popularity of these guys to say, we're going to go for it because I'll, I'll come back to it. You guys, maybe I'm misremembering this, but, but I think that the, the consensus amongst Red Sox fans, as flawed as that team was coming off of 2021, especially when you know, you're going to the last year of the contract, these guys go for it, go for it, go for it. Oh, man. Am I mis- Please pull my receipts from Twitter or anything. I no, no, like- I believe you. <laughs> but you guys, Coop, Pat, Gordo, am, am I wrong? I, I can't re- tell you what the consensus was, but I think my I think my mindset at the time was like they probably should get rid of these guys, but like I have like an emotional attachment to World Series champions and stuff, so like I'm not going to outwardly root for it, but like I know that that's what they should do. I don't I don't know what the public I don't know what you guys were like, but Personally, I had an emotional attachment to Bogarts. I did not want them to move Bogarts because I was fully expecting them to resign him. However, on the flip side of that, I was in the same boat as Sammy as you have a very good mid-rotation piece in Nathan Eovaldi, who you could easily flip to a contender. You have J.D. Martinez, who, granted, not as good as he once was, but is still a very good bat. In the he had just the made the All-Star team, too. Remember that? Like yes. two weeks before. Yeah, he was ice cold hitting at the time. Doubles. He was hitting doubles. He wasn't hitting home yeah. runs, but he was a doubles machine. Right. And there were pieces there, Eovaldi and J.D. especially, that you should have flipped at the deadline. There, Regardless of how high it was, the price was, it beats losing them for nothing, knowing that there was a small chance we were going to resign them this offseason. Yeah, Vasquez and Bogarts, okay. Like, both of them, yeah, like, people wanted back. Evaldi and JD are the two that people, I feel like, didn't really have a strong connection to. And I don't think front office really had a strong connection to and willingness to re-sign them. Those are the two guys that you absolutely had to flip last year. Yeah, they're the JD also, one those are the two guys as well that, like, with the Mookie Betts thing, you're kind of, you're never going to get in return like what you you have as product on the field. Like that's just, that's Mookie bets and it's the way things have worked out. But JD and like Eovaldi are guys that you could have flipped. And even if like one prospect doesn't hit, you're still kind of like, Hey, like we got X amount of prospects out of these guys that and you're under the let's tax. Be honest, we, yeah. 
Exactly. Get like, rid like, of them it, for nothing. I wouldn't care. Get rid of them for nothing. I would not have cared. Get under that we know that's important to John Henry and Co. Like it or not, it's important to them. It's just like, and if you thought that, that team like was contending because they got Eric Hosmer and Tommy Pham, my God, I have a bridge to sell you. Get your guy Reese McGuire. He's hitting like eight hundred. I like that. that was a good trade. Let's be accurate. It's six hundred. Hell of a trade. I mean, I'm just assuming, I'm just I'm spinning it forward to next week when he's hitting 800. But <laughs> it's, it's the trades they didn't make. The trades they made yeah. were good. It's the I love even them. if they move like the thing that bothers me the most, and it's obviously like hindsight's hindsight's 2020. Like the thing that bothers me the most is that like Bogarts left Boston in vain. Like they, yeah. if they move anything for him, like at least Mookie Betts, there was something in return for him. There's nothing in return for like Bogarts except for the memories he left us. Yeah, they're, they're very valuable. I have them on my mantle. <laughs> you don't take that picture at the last day of the season, Coop. If, yeah, if you, yeah. If you, hey, if that's you, not as cool now. That was uh, the most depressing home run I've ever seen in the rain. <laughs> that was the saddest home run in the history of baseball. And I, uh, I will say, I don't want to. I can't take credit for wanting them to trade Xander. I wanted them to keep him because I thought they'd extend him, like the fool I am. So that's that's on me as well. Uh, uh, so. I thought I do love Christian Vasquez's quote when he came back last week, when he's like, "Yeah, they traded me. I don't know why I'm the only one traded. Why am I the guy traded?" (laughs) That was such an awkward time. Everyone's coming up to him, like taking BP and everything, and like that was such (laughs) a weird deadline. Christian, I agree. Oh, oh, that was. I mean, we literally like you're sitting there and you're like, "That guy taking BP is just trade. Does he know he's traded?" And they all say, like, well, he knew, he knew, he just wanted, whatever. I don't want to get into that. I, what I do want to get into before we wrap it up is bullpen etiquette. Uh, do you guys throw beer and spit on people in the bullpen? Yes or no? Well, what they say about my mom. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Um, so, so, so let me uh, let me take you through this a little bit before I ask you guys' opinion on it or any reaction from it. But obviously, so – after the game Tuesday, we go down to the clubhouse. You know, they win, whatever. Um, but a couple relievers, particularly Richard Blyer, were really fired up. Like, really fired up about he's like about what happened out there. And and they're like, you know, nobody wanted to go on the record, but they were, like, clearly fired up. It's said, oh, well, you know, I'm going to tweet it. Okay, fine, tweet it. So I tweeted out what I tweeted out about, you know, that they were very upset Beer sprayed on them, and one person got spit on, and they had never seen anything like that, even in New York. So uh, then, so I tweet that out, and then that morning, so was it Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, or Wednesday morning? He uh, then, you know, obviously you see, here we come, here come the Orioles people. How, how dare you say this? How dare you say this? It didn't happen. Blah 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 blah. Fortunately, Blyer finally talks on the record. And he's the guy that says this happened, but it was, I have never, and the reason I don't really tweet that stuff, there's plenty of stuff to tweet, but I don't really like to do that. But I had never seen people so fired up after a game like that about something. So I knew this was a very real thing. And and we know that guys, there's back and forth with bullpen all the time. You know, Coop, you know, we talked to Joe Kelly about this. Like it's, this happens, right? I mean, we they say they don't even see this at New York. In game four of the ALDS in 2018, uh, coming out of the bullpen, uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Closer, Scarecrow. Uh, Kimbrel? Kimbrel, Frozen. Um, oh. <laughs> but he had like a full beer, like yeah. tossed towards his, it didn't hit him, thankfully, but like coming out of the pen for that yeah, game. And, 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 and New York, and, and I'll say this, and everyone says this is that New York has a ton of cops. Like so, the, evidently the Orioles only have the cop in the bullpen, but only like the eighty-year-old lushers like up top. Yeah, like ours that cheer after Grand Slam. Yeah, which are well-meaning, but whatever. But it's it's not like New York. New York has cops everywhere around the bullpen. So and so my thing is before you guys go on about this, but my thing is is that. A, I am not like no anybody who, who who designates a fan base because of 
a couple idiots is stupid. We in Boston should know that better than any, anybody, right? Yeah. So this is what you're getting. This is what you got, this defensive mode on social media after this happened. I'm like, come on. Uh, really? Really? Why would they make this up? And, it, and it's fine. It's okay. A couple morons. We're going to call out the couple morons, but you got to call out the couple morons. And it's just incredible to me how immediately defensive an entire fan base gets off of something like this when, you know, it happens. It happens. Unfortunately, it did happen. And unfortunately, it may be this, maybe this, much like Matt Strom here, saving us from, from beer sales, maybe this will change the world as well. Okay? I don't know. That's my thoughts. Continue. It's, anyway. uh, it's, it's, it's tribalism. We all wear the same hat. So if you're talking about one of us, you're talking about all of us. It's crazy. So, and I think Orioles fans are cool. I've never had a bad interaction with Orioles fans who cares what I think, but still I've never had a bad interaction with them. I, I don't think that represents all of them. I know I had my rant earlier, but yeah, the fans who are doing that, you gotta, you gotta be down so bad to think that's a normal thing to do. It's childish and, it's embarrassing. So if the or- the Orioles fan who did that's listening, you should be embarrassed. Hear that, Pat? Flex. Get like, give me one of these or something. Like, <sighs> we- oh yeah, you got a problem we with double, this bullpen? Double yeah, trouble. You- <laughs> get exactly. Me. Yeah, the, the sock needs some bullpen security. Um, <laughs> I swear, I'm just a trainer. <laughs> uh, no, I think there's a very fine line between being competitive in being in like the heart of competition and then being like an idiot. Like one of the, like example that right when this came up, I thought of was last year, the dude when, or 2021, when Garrett Cole was warming up in the bullpen before the wild card game. And he was sitting behind him with the Kermit puppet. That is like fun, competitive, like it's silly. It's stupid. And throwing beer and spitting is ridiculous. It's the same thing that happened a couple of years last year with Kyrie when he got popcorn thrown on him like that it's trashy fans I'm not saying the fan base is trashy I'm saying the fans who do that are trashy. no but it was it was that was a good example I, I've used that like one kid threw a water bottle and all of a sudden that blew up into the whole narrative that we've heard all the time about Boston it was one moron throwing a water bottle anyway anybody hey, you else wanna, you want to know a secret yes the guy yelling is that you the guy yelling at Cole next to Kermit, that was me. <laughs> I, I was fired up. I was like, that's a ball. Can you simulate that again? Can you simulate? Pretend like, pretend like he's throwing in front of you right now. Simulate what you were yelling. I was yelling, Garrett, I do not think that was in the strike zone. You're going to want to throw it in the strike zone for this game. I wish you the best of luck, even though you are on the other team. He was doing his best Casas. Outside! Very polite. It was, it, was a group, it was a group of people. There were kids around, so I didn't say anything bad. But we were we were giving it to Cole, and then the guy with the Kermit thing came up, and we were like, yeah. So best game I've ever been to. But, yeah, I was just giving him constructive criticism on you should you should hit the strike zone because if you don't, the ump will call it a ball. So that's what he did to Xander, and uh, it worked. That's what we do. Good for you. That's yeah, what I'll we do in Boston. We brought him to the ALDS. Yeah, and, hey, so credit to me for being a great guy to Garrett Cole. Thank you. Uh, all I'll say to that is down there. more people need to be like Japanese fans. Like those fans rock. Like they get the stadium going and then they do stuff like with the Otani home run where they'll just pass the ball around like it's show and tell and they just return <laughs> it to its owner. That is the most polite while also supportive fan base in the world. Be like that, Baltimore. Just That's be like awesome. that. That's all I we're asking. That. Constructive criticism and politeness. Yeah. That's Boston. That's how we roll, right? There you go. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that's Boston. The hallmarks of Boston: friendliness and constructive criticism. Especially to the Yankees. But it, you know, Fenway's America's most beloved park. Red Sox fans, the best constructive criticism in the league. There you go. Many people say Boston. Let's hang up are banner. Second friendliest people behind Canadians. I would tend to agree with that statement. <laughs> yep. All right, guys, I know you got to get going. Thanks, man. Men, thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 